Welcome to Coopercast, the surround sound episode. This is your host, Al's sedan, John Sachs. We talk about rock stories, songwriting, and just a bunch of things. Nilly the dog comments after each segment. This is from Ray in Connecticut. Al, I love those surround sound mixes of Child is Father to the Man in Super Session. What is surround sound? Surround sound is four speakers. Oh, okay. So there's two in front and kind of two behind or something? Yes. It never became a big thing? Well, it did for about 10 minutes. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I, you know, I fell for it. Yeah. I bought it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a good idea, and it could have worked, but but it was complicated on a lot of levels. So that's what killed it. Well, it's hard to imagine exactly how you would... There's so many ways you could handle... No, no, it would be, you know, left side, right side, left side, right side, and back of you. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was great. Would it put you sort of in the middle of the band? Exactly. You know... But but you could you could differentiate where things were coming from mm-hmm. better than stereo because you had more more. Yeah, it was a, it was a good idea. I did some music photography for the surprisingly extensive music program at MIT, and one of the things I would do is go to rehearsals because I could walk around among the band, and there was a very cool jazz band. I'm trying to remember the name of the group uh, was led by one of the faculty guys and it was one of these like jazz things that you couldn't put your finger on because it was so sort of eclectic and I was standing in the middle and there were musicians on all four sides of me just wailing away and it was the most that's like the ultimate of quad it was like I stood in the middle of the group yeah but it would have to be mixed yeah by someone who understood all that very, that's why I say it seems it seems much much tougher. When I was younger and somewhat more of a jerk than I am now, I would go to friends' houses for parties, and I would change their I would push the button on their stereo system to change it to mono, and then I would go back to another party like six months later and see if they've ever noticed it. So what happened? There were people who noticed it, and there were people who didn't notice it. Yeah, that's how it is. I mean, after all, the music that we grew up on was all mono AM radio. Well, I think that I would say the majority of people that watch television yeah. watch it in mono. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Right. And in this day and age, I think more people watch television than play music and, and, you know, listen to played music. Yeah. So there you go. The question from Peter is, are there any, (laughs) are there any other blues project members still alive? Uh, The question is, are there any dead are there any dead ones still alive? Not that I recall, except the original singer, yeah. who wasn't in the band once we got famous. 
Well, right now, we know that Katz and uh, the drummer... Roy. Blumenfeld are out performing with some other guys under the name Blues Project. But the only two original guys performing are Katz and Blumenfeld, and you are retired in Somerville. But you did tell me that about a year and a half ago, you sent them a little track to put on an album. So there is a little Al Cooper uh, on the album that they're just releasing. Oh, I don't know that the track is on there. Okay, that might be on the album that they're releasing. I doubt it. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is from Michael uh, S. And he says, this is his second question. I don't remember the first one. Uh, really enjoying the excellent Ask Al's. The interplay and exchanges are great. I go back to Al's Kindle book to look up topic points like the 1650 Broadway, The Royal Teens. Reading for many hours a day, my eyes get worn out, and Audible is becoming more popular than ever. Backstage passes would be great if the right voice narrator could be found. Can one hope for this? I doubt it. Because? Book company. But... They own it. Yeah, but they would make more money if it got on Audible, wouldn't they? Wouldn't it be good for them? Maybe they don't sell Audible. But they have the rights. If it's sold, they'd make money, wouldn't they? I have no idea. Who? Okay, let's put it this way. Who would you choose to read your book if you could choose any voice? Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Okay. All right. Uh, not that that would happen. Well, no. I mean, when dead guys read books, it's very, it's not good. Yeah. Not but I mean, good. I just, you know, as a voice, I love. Yeah. Uh, okay. John Zachary. Who's that? You never heard of Zachary? Zachary, no. Oh, I won't even get into it. Well, you've got to get into it a little bit now that you mentioned it. He was on TV. First, he was the host of a, a late-night horror movie show. Yeah. Where he would just play horror movies, and he was dressed sort of like Dracula. Oh, really? Then he became um, a disc jockey and was on a big station in New York huh. and and became even more famous than he was before uh, being a disc jockey using this, he, he was on a big station. Using the same name, Zachary? Yeah. Funny, because I was in the New York radio area. I don't remember him. I remember, obviously, Murray the K, and you know, I don't remember Zachary. Well, that era. Yeah. Here's a piece of trivia from left field uh, from Mr. Bad. He says, I saw Blues Project in Boulder, Colorado around 1980. They did a tune they called Son of Flute Thing. I never heard it again. Was it Al's tune or Andy's? I don't think I played with them in 1980, so I wouldn't know. Ever heard of Son of Flute Thing? No. Okay. But they still play Flute Thing. Yeah. Oh, no, they don't. They don't? No, Andy's dead. Oh, that would, yeah, they'd have to go hire a flute player. Yeah, I don't think they were going to do that. Yeah. Here's an email from Rob. Alan John, hope this finds you both well. <laughs> After the last episode, and fearing that the well of questions might get low, I have a few questions for Al about his songwriting process. I realize that every song has a journey of its own, but Al, are you the type of songwriter that's, who sits down at a fairly regular basis? 
always keeping a few irons in the fire, or do you sit down to write only when an idea musically or lyrically appears? Well, both, but more likely with a title. A title. Interesting. If I think of something that might be a great song title, that will inspire me to sit down and write a song. And then from title comes words. Yeah. Well, words and music. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then he says, although the game for songwriters has changed a lot over the last decade or so, uh, a topic unto itself, certainly the box set has been keeping you very busy. Do you find time for writing? Are you still writing any songs? Not much. Not much. Okay. All right. All right, And that's when I thought of doing the box set. To, to, to share all that music and get out. Yeah, there, because you know? uh, otherwise it would have died with me. Right. That, well, was the whole, that was the whole point of the box set. Hope, let's hope it gets out there soon. Let's hope it gets out there. Period, yeah. <laughs> Susan wants to know, did you play the piano on the 2010 remastered version of Badfinger's Name of the Game on the Straight Up album? Did you play with Badfinger? Yeah. Okay. Don't hear organ, just piano. That's what I played, piano. And he says, in my opinion, it makes the song. So there, you play with Badfinger. Well, we both managed by the same guy. Okay. That's how that happened. Mm. And they were very nice guys, and uh, they asked me to play. Mm-hmm. So I did. <laughs> we have a... Uh, question here, a simple little question from Dosily at Hey Al, hi Al, can you share some memories of interactions between Leon Russell and yourself? Very slight. Yeah. Not much. Um, I was very close friends with his partner, who was a record producer named Denny Cordell. Right. And they had a company together. Okay. Whereas I would see Denny, like, a lot, I would never see him. I think you... Because um, uh, Denny was English, and I met him originally in England. Oh. So it had nothing to do with Leon. Right. And and, uh, Leon and I, for some reason, uh, never particularly got along. You guys, I think we talked about this when we did an episode about you doing the music for The Landlord. I think that he was the other guy that was being considered to do the music. Oh, I, well, I didn't, know, I didn't really know that. And you got it, and he didn't. So anyway, whatever. Yeah. I just... Well, here's what he says. I love you more than you ever know is a great song. The first time I ever smoked pot, we listened to it. I got into Freddie's solo like none that I ever heard before. As a wannabe sax player, it was deeply religious experience for me. He was one terrific player. Sorry, this isn't a question. Thanks, Steve. He still is. We're still in touch. Cool. And he sends me his latest work, and it's great. Okay. But but the playing he did on the Blood, Sweat, and Tears album that I was on was fabulous. Yeah. And he also helped me tremendously with uh, the arrangements. Okay. And we still talk. Yeah. (laughs) 
This has been CooperCast, the surround sound episode, brought to you by a great song title. Submit questions for Al at alcooper.com on the CooperCast page.